Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. In this episode, I have Matt Bruning coming on the podcast. You should be following him on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. He is a senior writer and Debbie team lead for Dynasty Nerds. He's also the host of the Fantasy Football Roundtable and Debbie Debate podcast, which that podcast is relatively new. Uh, today we're going to talk about the 2021 rookie class outlook, and now we can work on our player evaluations of rookies. So it looks like you're pretty busy, Matt. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good. I am. We we were just talking off air here about how how crazy the season's been, and it is a lot of work. I'm I'm looking forward to obviously the Christmas break, getting down to uh, bowl game. Still pretty busy time for me, but once that wraps up, get a little bit of a break, enjoy the NFL playoffs. So I'm I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break. It's been a it's been a long crazy year, I'm sure for everybody. Yeah, I I'm totally with you. You know, hopefully, uh, we talked about you're in. You said six or potentially six championships. So trying to pull out some yeah. championships and then just bask in the glory for a week. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. My luck. I'll end up losing all of them. But I'm hoping they at least get to claim one victory. <laughs> hey, I, I'm with you. I'm in. I'm in two. One keeper. One redraft. And I'm I'm just hoping to pull out one of them. Which uh, it's looked promising for both. But then again, you go into every matchup feeling good, and then yeah. you you leave it and you're getting your butt kicked. So. Awesome. So there is one question I ask every guest, and that is, what is one hobby that you really enjoy doing that does not relate to fantasy football? Uh, so for me, it's uh, it's softball. I talk about it a little bit on my other podcast. I played baseball all my life, and so I enjoy doing that, getting out, get the get the blood pumping a little bit. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I play on a team that's paid for, uh, but due to COVID and everything, we actually haven't been able to play since March here in Texas, uh, which is where I currently live. Uh, so that part of it does suck. I miss getting out there and doing stuff. I feel like I'm putting on a little bit of extra weight, not just because of the the you know the COVID quarantine like everybody, but not getting out to do stuff. But it is definitely something I, I truly enjoy. I think that's where I get some of my competitiveness as well when it comes to fantasy football. That that stuff kind of drives me to want to win all the time. I, I it's it's a little bit bad. I think <laughs> I I understand that feeling, and I I've always sucked at baseball. So so uh, I I know I had a couple of friends trying to put together a softball league a couple of years ago, and I was like, I don't know if you want me on your team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> where in Texas are you? I live in uh, the Fort Worth area. It's uh, okay. right. Of, we're about forty-five minutes from Dallas, about thirty minutes from AT and T Stadium. So it's not a, it's not too bad. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I miss Cleveland like crazy. I live. I've actually okay. lived in Texas most of my life, but I was born in Cleveland, lived there for a while. Uh, now I live in Texas. I, I still consider Cleveland home and uh, Browns, Ohio State, all that stuff. My team. So nice. Yeah, I'm actually located in uh, Austin, Texas. So oh, okay. I've lived in Texas my whole life. Was born and raised in Abilene. Do you know Abilene? Uh, yes, I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Abilene, and then uh, went to school at UT in uh, Austin, and been living there for a couple of years now. So, yeah, that's wow. awesome. I like Texas, but definitely, I think other states have their their uh, uh, benefits as well. So, yeah, yeah. I, just, I guess I'll keep my Texas trash talk to a minimum because I tend, oh, I dude, tend no, to. I, oh, do Oh man. But. Let's. I I could talk trash about texas so much that's something i can get behind uh if you're from texas i hope you understand that we're not we're not fantastic we're not the worst but we're not the greatest we're somewhere in the middle every state's that way there's there's no one that i'd say is worse but getting back to fantasy football so we don't fire up too many people my first question (laughs) is how do you evaluate players throughout college is it mainly by watching film combination of analytics and film or what's your process uh, so for me now, I, I try to use a combination. Uh, I used to honestly be a hundred percent film based. I, I just go completely on what my eyes told me because I, while the the, the saying is uh, numbers don't lie, I feel like you can twist the narrative on numbers to make it 
make it sound or to fit your narrative. But I've lately, the past couple of years, kind of started putting analytics in my approach. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I tend to start putting some of that stuff out there. And especially when it comes to running backs, I feel like there's certain stats that you can kind of use to kind of show how good our running backs are in college. I, I still use probably like a 70-30 approach. I still use mostly what my eyes tell me. Uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that I get to watch a lot of film because of what I do at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I get all 22 film as well, so it's easy to go and scout those prospects. But I do now use analytics. I I don't think there's a wrong approach to do it, but for me, I feel like using as many data points as you can on a prospect is going to help you get a fuller picture. Yeah, I really like that combination approach. I think more people should do that. And from, from what I've seen about analytics is it's more that it reduces the misses. Well, I feel like most people that watch film, it's more of increasing the hits. So a nice combination of both, I feel like, is is trying to obviously decrease the misses, which there's misses every single year. Like Nikhil Harry a couple of years ago, you know, no one really saw that coming or he's nothing now. But then again, you have someone like a Terry McLaurin who's a second round pick and balling out. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, so is there any characteristics you look at for players coming out of college, like specific ones? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a, a couple on each position. So for quarterbacks, um, when, I, when I'm watching them, I want to see them go through their progressions. One of the biggest knocks uh, you could put on on my one of my favorite quarterbacks in this class, Justin Fields, is sometimes he locks on to his one read. And if he's not there, he kind of panics or runs and doesn't go through his progressions. Uh, you want to see their footwork in and out of the pocket, how good they are with no pressure, what their feet is like when they have pressure. Uh, Baker Mayfield earlier this year was always kind of panicky in the pocket compared to now he's very calm relax you want to see how good that footwork is because obviously if a quarterback can get into their throw and, and throw a laser down the field it's better for you it'll be more accurate if they can get behind their throw and then arm talent and athleticism I know arm talent is kind of overused a lot when we talk about quarterbacks but if you've got a guy who a Justin Herbert who can absolutely sling it you you like to see that with the quarterback and how good he does and then same thing with uh with the Joe Burrow um to a tongue of Valoa type where they've got the smarts. They've got that IQ where they're, they're anticipatory throws right there. That That's something that you want to see as well to kind of fall, figure out where your quarterbacks fall. For running backs, my biggest thing is vision and lateral speed slash burst. Uh, that is huge for me. I know a lot of people, and I'll use Travis Etienne for this example, fall in love with that long speed home run ability where once he gets through the line, he's gone. Nobody can touch him because of that speed. And I'm not comparing him to Ronald Jones, but we saw a lot of that at a Ronald Jones a couple years ago where he didn't have that vision. He wasn't hitting the right holes. That speed only can help you out so much as long as you're hitting the holes. If you're running into the back of your offensive lineman, that speed doesn't help you. So vision is huge for me for running backs if you find guys with good vision who can hit the cutback lanes I think you'll find a more successful running back at the NFL level uh, for wide receivers I always start with their hands I want to see if they extend their hands to the ball I don't like wide receivers who body catch it who let the ball come into their chest or into their stomach area and catch on the ball you want to see them extend their hands have soft hands uh, are they contested catches are they creating separation I think the hardest part on scouting wide receivers is if you don't have the all 22 film it is hard to scout route running which I do think is crucial for, for wide receivers because a lot of times when you're watching highlights or TV broadcast they're not showing the wide receivers run their full route so when they get to the top of the route make that break you don't see that you just see where they're at when the quarterback hits the ball so that is the hardest part to to scout if you can't do that that's fine you can find that eventually but the biggest thing for me hands and uh how they're creating their separation tight ends i've got no idea i'm horrible at scouting <laughs> tight ends. it's so hard to figure out what tight ends are going to translate like kyle pitts seems like that home run prospect in this draft. i think pat fryer and brevin jordan will be good as well but 
you know, George Kittle was a, a third round NFL pick and nobody expected him to become what he was. Uh, Travis Kelsey was a little bit more well-known, but in tight ends, is, the translation from college to NFL is so much harder to scout. I kind of just try to pay attention to tight ends once they hit the NFL level. So, so with tight ends, uh, maybe Kyle Pitts is the exception, which I'm actually going to ask you a question off script here in a bit, but related to Kyle Pitts and tight ends. But do you see that you would rather, like you said, the, the NFL level, like you'd rather go for a Hawkinson now versus drafting him a couple years ago because like like rookie tight ends don't typically hit anyways and then you're missing out on a year the value drops and is that sort of where you lean with tight ends yeah if i can get a guy who has already proven it then yes that's where i want to go now there are certain guys like tj hawkinson noah fans a couple years ago were guys that i would have reached for my rookie drafts because i did believe them coming out were going to be really good and pitts this year as well i i've said on the debbie debate podcast you brought up earlier that i would be fine taking him at like one five of my rookie drafts this year i just i don't see a hole in kyle pitts game um i may have also made the bold claim i think he's gonna have the best rookie tight end season of anybody uh in the nfl so I'm, I'm all in on Kyle Pitts. He's a guy that I think me, once he comes into the NFL is probably top five at worst tight end already dynasty wise. So he's a guy that then that does not come along very often either. So he's one of those guys I think is a, is a camp miss prospect. So with Kyle Pitts, do you see him more as being that like a Gusecki type and that he's a lot more like slot wide receiver ish? Because from what I've heard, it's he doesn't have like the blocking down as much. So he's not going to be like a Hawkinson or a Kelsey and that he's on the line as much and more. Slot wide receiver, is that correct in that assumption? Um, I would almost uh, compare him actually a little bit more to Kelsey, but without the blocking that you just mentioned. You're not going to see Pitts. Now, he does – he's not a horrible blocker, but his game is more on the offensive side. But the way he runs, he, he runs and plays like a wide receiver. So I think – in the right offense, he could be very much a Travis Kelsey. They just won't use him as as a blocking type, or he could improve on that and then use him like that. But I do think he's right now not quite as good as, say, a Pat Fryermuth. Fryermuth coming in, if you want to compare him, I think you could go to that Hawkinson Noah Fant class where Fryermuth is Hawkinson and and Pitts is Fant. In that Fant came in as that offensive guy, but Hawkinson came in as that overall complete tight end, which is what Fryermuth is in this class. Gotcha. So you mentioned 1.05 is where you're looking at him or at, at the peak that you would take him. Let's say that you're crazy enough like I am to play in a start two tight end league, has tight end premium. It's also super flex. Would you play around with that 1.01 or would you rather get those quarterbacks running backs early on still and then maybe get a tight end a little bit cheaper that's like a Kaseki type or Ursma Jr. or something like that? Where, how would you look at that? So that's interesting. Um Super flex for me, I'm still taking Lawrence and Fields over Pitts for sure. I just, even if, say, you have, I don't know, um, Justin Herbert and Josh Allen on your team right now, Trevor Lawrence is just going to make you even better. And that also gives you a little bit more flexibility with moving players, right? If you end up wanting to move a quarterback. Uh, so I would still go those two at the top. I would flirt with Kyle Pitts at 1 3. I, I, and, and, my only thing with that is I don't so it obviously depends. You you'll know your draft, right? You know your draft, your league, so you know how they're gonna typically evaluate those guys. So Pitson Fryer moved, I would think, in a format like that are still gonna go first round. Where if you're picking at say that one one spot, there's the shot that Brevin Jordan might fall to you in the second round. Now, Brevin Jordan's not Kyle Pitts or Fryermuth, but he's still in that elite tier one class for me, and I think is will be a, an elite tight end at the NFL level. So maybe that's a guy that you could take a shot on. There are a couple other guys, a Jeremy Ruckert, um, Yaboa out of uh, Ole Miss that I think – I'm sorry, not Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. Is it Ole Miss? Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Ole Miss, I got that right the first time. Uh, there, there's a couple guys that I think could be those – 
tight end twos at the next level where there's really only three guys in this class I think are tight end ones, but a Brevin Jordan could fall. So if you're at that one, one, I would still take Lawrence and then hope you can get one of those guys in the second round. But I, I would entertain taking a Kyle Pitts as early as one, three and in a, in a format like that. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I think that's good advice too, to, you know, not get locked in on these early guys and also think who's going to be coming up later. Like you mentioned uh uh, player right there and going a little bit off topic right now favorite book that you have read uh so i i'm a massive uh james bond fan so i've got all of the the books um i've read all of those there's another one i, I know it's not called um maybe it is called mind hunters but if you've ever seen the tv show uh mind hunters for netflix i actually just finished that book about a month ago based it's obviously the show is based on that i wish they were coming out with the season three but i am massive into like the mafia cia fbi stuff i I love stuff like that and then james bond i'm just i I mean i guess if if you want i've got a man crush on him i just i think the the books and the movies especially daniel craig movies are amazing so that those are kind of the books that i go for awesome yeah i never i've never even thought about checking out those books but i bet they're super interesting and probably a little bit more in depth than the movies would be just because books in general are yeah, and I, I wish I could remember the name of the gentleman now, and I, I'll have to see if I can pull it up really quick. The guy who wrote the original books, like he's got, I think it's close to like 20 of them, and and they are, they're very good. It's more obviously fleshed out. You get to see more of like his past, and like in the, the Daniel Craig movies, they actually bring in some of the villains you see in the books and flesh them out a little bit more that we did not necessarily, you don't get to see in some of the other more campy kind of corny james bond movies where daniels craig i think are a little bit more ian fleming uh that's that's who i was thinking of uh, his, the the books that he does are amazing there was a new one that came out five years ago i don't remember who wrote that one but they actually did a really good job with it as well kind of keep, keeping with how ian fleming used to write the books nice so yeah if anybody's looking for some books to read which i know typically around this time of year but he's starting to get those books on there they're going to start reading books again this and that Start with some fun ones. You don't have to read all these personal development books, this and that. I just, I will say, I finished a one that I thought was pretty simple and entertaining to read called Atomic Habits that I, I enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, read some fun books too. Fiction, fiction's good too. So yeah, I, I love that. That's, I'm more of a fantasy type of reader typically, like yeah. uh, magic and stuff like that. But I'll have to think about adding in something like that. It's a little bit more realistic. And then I feel like you can also like put yourself into their shoes a little bit more because you understand what's going on. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. Like I said, because I'm I'm so into that kind of stuff, which I always feel bad because I'm like I, I'm into murder and all that stuff. It sounds bad <laughs> when you say it out loud, uh, but I, I just love reading because I think that's fascinating the way people do certain things with, and it doesn't affect them. Where if I like hit a squirrel on the road, I'm in tears and have to pull over, and I'm just a complete mess. And so I find all that stuff fascinating the way people do certain things and have done with their lives. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So going back to twenty, this actual 2021 rookie class, and I'm only in Superflex, so I'm going to be selfish and only talk Superflex. If you want one QB, uh, hop on hop on Matt's podcast, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but what are, the, what are the strengths and weaknesses of this class? I know we sort of talked about it a little bit. I talked about it on previous podcasts, but can you just break down strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, so Superflex, I think you're in a really great spot if you're in a Superflex uh, draft this year. I think it's it's much deeper for Superflex because of how deep the quarterback class is Superflex-wise. You could see, in, in all honesty, I think in the NFL draft, we could see five quarterbacks go this year. And I think in your Superflex drafts, you'll see, you could possibly see five quarterbacks go as well, which is then going to make the wide receiver and running back class a little bit deeper just because you're going to be able to get those guys. 
Uh, but if you had to pick two, I would say the strengths of this class are wide receiver and quarterback. Not every year do you see five, and in my opinion, six quarterbacks I, I, that I have that I think could be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Usually, if you're lucky, you get two, maybe three. So I think quarterbacks deep. Wide receiver, I've got going to down to like 2021 20, that I think could be anywhere from wide receiver ones to high end wide receiver threes. So that that's really good for fantasy. Like last year, we talked about that class being really good, but really there's probably about six guys that we see are probably wide receiver ones and twos where this one, and then obviously not all those guys will pan out, but just looking at them now, I'm really big on those. The weaknesses of this class, I think, are running back. There's about five guys I really like. Everybody else outside that I've got serious question marks about. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be one or two guys that pops up like a James Robinson this year, but there's really five guys that I like. And then tight end, you know, we talked about it earlier. It's really elite at the top of that class with those three guys. And then I think there's a pretty big fall off after that with the guys with a lot of question marks. Gotcha. Who are those six quarterbacks? If you don't mind mentioning them in order. No, yeah. So for me right now, I've got Trevor Lawrence, then Justin Fields, who are my tier one. I I would say they're one A, one B. I know a lot of people might be jumping off the Justin Fields ship after after the game he had in the Big Ten championship, but I still think he's he's phenomenal. Uh, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, who's who's playing right now. Uh, he's he's really kind of shot his draft stock up. Mac Jones out of Alabama, uh, Kyle Trask out of Florida, and then I am big on uh, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. I think he's a phenomenal QB prospect that not enough people are talking talking about gotcha so you give me that guy that slips into the second round for these super flex drafts and I, I will say it always cracks me up when one game happens and player stocks either plummet or increase like crazy and i'm like guys it, it doesn't work that way it's not just it's not a one game thing yes if one game turns into three games then you have to care about it but it does crack me up how everybody's like all right it's lawrence i don't care it's lawrence like it field sucks yeah yeah, I mean, Lawrence, I, I, I've tried, I was on a, a podcast earlier or last week, and I took Fields over Lawrence just to kind of illustrate that I think Fields and Lawrence are still close. It is Lawrence for me, easy 1 1, uh, but I don't think Fields should be just completely knocked out of that discussion. Fields is a great player. Yeah, he's had a couple bad games this year, but, you know, as I've mentioned on Twitter, Nobody mentioned, uh, nobody wanted to diss Trevor Lawrence for his game against Georgia Tech last year, where he threw for 120 yards, two interceptions, and, and Georgia Tech's defense was ranked 114th out of 125. So I'm sorry, but Justin Fields has played two top 10 defenses this year and struggled against both of them. Lawrence has not done that at all, uh, at least this year and most of last year. So you can't knock them for playing top end defenses. He didn't look great, uh, but you've got to really look at who they played as well before you just completely knock the prospect, like you were saying. Yeah, I love that that process right there. So with uh, last year with Superflex drafts, there was like a teardrop at about 1.08, 1.09, I feel like. Pretty pretty hard tier, like 1.04, then again, a bigger teardrop at like 1.08-ish. Where do you see this draft lining up? I feel like from what I've seen, it's like maybe one – I'll let you talk. You're the expert. You go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I got – no, no, you're good. Um, So – for me, especially in Superflex formats, I did a Superflex mock for, for Dynasty Nerds, obviously who we both write about, and even down at 212 was players going off the board, I would be thrilled to get as like my number one pick. So if you're talking Superflex formats alone, I think easily if you can get second, third round picks in this class, you're going to be good. Again, because of how loaded that quarterback class is, it, it pushes that other talent down the board. For me, as I mentioned with quarterbacks earlier, it's after those six, it's a, a steep, steep drop you've got a lot of guys who just serious serious question marks i would not feel comfortable taking any of those guys outside those top six 
Uh, for wide receivers, my top four, I've got four guys in my tier one, eight in my tier two. Then I think there's a little bit of a drop there. There's a lot of guys mixed in that tier three. I want to see more film on them, obviously, in the offseason. What they do in the bowl games combine might, might change that up. Running backs, I have three in my tier one, four in tier two, then a massive clip drop, and then obviously tight ends we talked about, three, two after that, and then a big drop. So, again, you're looking at in super flex leagues, I, like I said, probably three, one. You're probably still getting guys right on the edge of that tier two that could still be starters for you on your fantasy teams, and that's when you start to see the drop off. Nice. And yeah, that's, that's one thing I've been sort of thinking about more and more is that especially super flex, it seems like, and even like next year, I've heard it's a very deep QB classes, you know, those second round picks are becoming more, they're like gold in a way because they're the price to acquire is less than these first round picks, but you're ending up, you're like sort of loading up your shotgun, getting more, more shots out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's crazy to say that because last year, you know, we talked again, we talked about that last class last year in 2020 being such a good class. And then this class, I think, is going to out, out, out exceed that. Now, next year's class, I think wide receivers and quarterbacks are going to be phenomenal. Running backs, I'm a little bit scared. On. I think there's a couple guys maybe. Uh, but quarterbacks, you're looking at right now, there's people who have up to seven guys evaluated in like those first couple rounds. So, and, and obviously, as we always talk about, maybe all those guys won't pan out. But if you're talking about seven guys right now, this early being that good, that that's a pretty good class right there, in my opinion. Nice. So uh, next question, favorite sci-fi series. So I was torn on this one because I don't know if these count as sci-fi, but uh, the the shows that I've been really all in on the past year or so, uh, The Boys of Mandalorian, which I feel like everybody kind of loves The Mandalorian. I'm a massive Star Wars guy, so that's been a fun show for me to watch. I hated that, uh, obviously, last Friday was the, was the last episode of this season. I hate it's only eight episodes. And then The Boys, just because it's – I love superhero stuff and everything, and to see that show where it's – complete opposite of what you expect like i don't know the the actor's name but the 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 guy who plays homelander i think just kills it every episode he's it's i feel weird to say that he's my favorite character in that whole show just with the way he portrays himself and everything so for me uh it, it's the boys of mandalorian nice yeah i absolutely love the boys uh it's it's top tier honestly for me yeah. easy and it's it's like up there with like game of thrones tier and people may be saying there's no way yes it's fantastic and mandalorian if you see me i've talked about it i post about it it it's just the slow starts that just get me and then i will say i like binge watched the last three episodes and i was like all right yeah but with it coming back that if you haven't seen it i apologize uh but yeah. anyways you know it was it was it's been a week you no excuses but uh it's uh it was definitely cool to see some nostalgia related to it and i feel like it had a nice recovery i just I, it's just like in you when you watch the boys and you watch the mandalorian for me it's just such a stark difference but also they're yeah. not meant to be the same thing like i was talking to a couple of people about how they really enjoy watching mandalorian with their kids so obviously you can't have it as intense or anything like that which i i do understand it's just i just want a star wars show that's intense i guess maybe that's what i want yeah. no I, i'm with you on that i think that's the obviously the limiting side of disney is you probably can't obviously you can't rip people apart or yeah. eviscerate people like you can on the boys which is probably what makes it so much fun for us because you're just like you would never see in most superhero shows, somebody do that, which is what, what what makes it so much fun. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd love to see a little bit more action at times. And, you know, 
not see a lightsaber cut through somebody and then there's like no blood it's just nothing like we know (laughs) that something would happen but again i think being tied to disney you probably have certain things you can and can't do so that probably limits it but i'm with yeah like my my sons love watching it as well that's something we we make a a little bit of a tradition kind of thing do every friday night sit down with my kids and we watch that together nice so with going back to fantasy football, who are your top players that are under the radar and you expect to be discounted and made rookie drafts? It's obviously hard to give that exact prediction because we don't know exactly who's coming out, but who are your your guys? Yeah, so I'll give you a, one at each position here, and I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown for him. Desmond Ritter, for me, at quarterback, and, and he was the guy we just men- I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's a live arm, a lot of athleticism. Um, think of, like, Lamar Jackson, maybe not quite as fast, but that's how athletic he is when he's on the field. Uh, I love how he keeps his eyes down the field even when he's facing pressure, gets out of the pocket. Yeah, he's fully capable of altering his arm slots, which is huge when you've got those defenders coming down any of the sidearm stuff you see out of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Uh, he's he's able to do that as well. Uh, great on zone reads, QB runs, great vision, great size, breaks tackles. Um, really good when it comes to that backyard football we see out of uh, Patrick Mahomes as well. He can move around in the pocket, sling it down the field. Uh, really impressive flashes of accuracy and, and, and can fit it in a tight windows. That's my biggest fear with him though right now is in the second half of the season, we've seen him kind of struggle with that ball placement down the field, but that's not something that I think can come with. It's something I think comes with mechanics and something that can be improved at the next level. Uh, at running back, a guy I've talked about a lot, Jamar Jefferson, uh, he d- demonstrates excellent vision and instinctive feel when it comes to getting through his holes. His cutbacks are ridiculous. He's a tough runner, good footwork. As soon as he sees that daylight, he's got that quick burst that gets him to the second level. Um, he had a, a breakout age at 18 a massive dominator rating, which I believe is like 36% as a true freshman at 18 years old on Oregon State, which won one game that year. Uh, so he was the guy that everybody was trying to stop, and they still couldn't do it. Uh, came into this year, everybody was kind of not sure what to expect out of him. He had an injury last year, kind of struggled, uh, and he didn't really show a lot of home run speed, and he showed that this year, broke off a lot of 70-plus yard runs, not getting caught from behind, which was huge. Uh, so Jermar Jefferson's a guy who I think nobody's talking about in that tier one. I've got him as my RB4 in this class, and most have him right around RB7, 8. So he's a guy that I think could end up getting a starting job at the NFL level and, and will be discounted in your rookie drafts. Wide receiver, this is a little bit harder for me, but I tried to go a little bit outside the box and go with Deami Brown out of UNC. Uh, quick, decisive, physical guy um, after the catch. Uh, I love how much you'll see him work across the middle, and he's not afraid to make a catch and take that big hit, but he also does really good on those crossing and post routes as well. He's got the speed to burn you down the field. He's a competitive blocker. You watch him blocking on runs for Javante Williams and Michael Carter, and he doesn't shy away from that contact. Um, the only My biggest concern with him is sometimes uh, early in his routes, he gets gets hung up being too physical with, uh, with the cornerbacks, which then kind of holds up the momentum of his route and kind of breaks off that that connection with him and uh, uh, Sam Howell. And then tight end Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. Uh, terrific hands, uh, very gifted athlete, um, very dynamic, more dynamic than Luke Farrell, in my opinion, who's kind of the tight end everybody's talking about out of Ohio State. Massive catch radius, great concentration when the ball's going to him, uh, almost always pulls it in. Uh, very... Uh, Uses uh, his body and leverages against defenders, which I like. He's already got that NFL size and and frame as well to be there. Um, the, my biggest thing with him is kind of what we talked about with Kyle Pitts. He's not a great blocker. He, he He's very enthusiastic and willing, but not a great blocker. And some people be worried about the fact that he hasn't produced um, there at Ohio State, but I would just – 
caution you in saying that Ohio State doesn't really use their tight ends much. So don't take that as a a knock against them. You mentioned Terry McLaurin earlier uh, in the podcast. Terry McLaurin was not a guy who produced at Ohio State, but obviously had the talent. Their scheme and their game plan doesn't always include everybody on their offense. So Rucker, when he's flashed, has been brilliant. I think he, he's shown enough to be a top tight end in this class. Awesome. So there's four guys to sort of keep your eye on. And one reason I like doing these podcasts, or I'm doing these podcasts right now is just to get these names coming up and trying to work on everybody hearing the names. Cause I know I'm hearing all these names. I like who, cause I'm not, I'm not big into college sports and I, I do plan on getting a little bit more into it. I plan on joining a Debbie league this uh, off season, probably as my one new league, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like it. And so with going into this off season in general, like, yes, there's a lot of like check marks you sort of have to get through in the sense of you have to see who's actually coming out. And then you see, the senior bowl and then you see the combine and then you actually have the drafts. And then I feel like after the draft, everything really solidifies or even some people like a Clyde over to just jumps up like crazy just because of the situation and stuff like that. But what is your advice for anybody listening to increase their preparation going into 2021 rookie drafts? Yeah. So with the, with the weirdness of this year, we've had a lot of the top players already opt out and announce they're coming into the NFL. So you're right. Usually right around now in any kind of normal season, you're going to have bowl games. You'll see guys opting out here and here and there, but not as many as we've seen this year. So, my advice would be if you can study, study, study. We have a film room at Dynasty Nerds that shows you every single play of an offensive player, and that's it. You can watch a full game's worth of a player's uh, and, and the entire thing, all 22 film, their routes, everything, not just the highlights. Um, and you can watch a full game in like 15 minutes, if that. Like it's phenomenal if you want to study. Um, if you can't study, or if you don't understand that part, read. We do a great job, in my opinion, at Dynasty Nerds uh, as the Debbie team lead. Uh, we take it very seriously trying to get these guys right and write up the best that we can on these guys. You come on there. It's free. You don't have to pay. You don't have to be part of the membership to read that stuff. We put out profiles every single year. Uh, we'll try. I think this year our goal is to get every single prospect going in. Last year we got about 80 of them done. This year we're trying to get every single one done. Read them. If you can't do that. Find people that you trust, people that you think do a great job and, and listen to them. And, and, you know, don't just listen to one person. If you want two people, three people, because you want to get the best overall perspective of a prospect. And there are going to be guys, myself included, that fall in love with players. I, I love Jamar Jefferson. And so sometimes it's hard for me to see the knocks on him that say you might. You might go in and watch Jamar Jefferson's film. Like, well, you know what? I think he doesn't do as good here as Matt does. Well, that's great because then you're showing me something that I may be missing. So definitely, if you don't have time to do all all of that stuff, which I understand not everybody does go find the people that you trust to break down these players and, and then see with them, interact with them. You know, I know you, I've seen you interact with people. I love interacting with people on Twitter. You can hit me up anytime, ask a question. Hey, what do you think about this player? I'll give you my honest opinion because I'm not trying to steer anybody the wrong way. Um, outside of that, just watch as much as you can take in everything that you can, whether it's watching film, every data point that you can don't let one thing sway you. Don't let, because this this guy over here says this guy's the best wide receiver. This guy does take everything and don't let landing spot like CEH. Uh, you know, everybody, as you just mentioned, bump CEH up because of his landing spot last year. And realistically, going into most people's rankings before the draft, he was their RB4 or 5. And as we've seen this year, even though he landed with the Chiefs, he hasn't been that number one overall running back because while he's extremely talented – being in an, in an explosive offense isn't everything. There were some things lacking in his game I thought that was going to hurt him at the next level, and we've kind of seen that. So take every data point you can into these prospects before you make your final decision. 
Yeah, I love that. And if you have any questions about Debbie 2020 rookie draft, hit up Matt, not me. Uh, I'm definitely not the guy to talk to about this right now. Uh, and yeah, I agree. You know, check out the film room if you want to check out the the articles and then also check out any podcast like Debbie podcast. Like you Debbie debate and you probably also on the, the round table. You all probably also talk some Debbie there and then also like follow a ton of people on Twitter. That's something I did make a Twitter list with bunch of Debbie people that you should just follow and just see what they have to say because that's one thing that I love about Twitter is just the interactive part and just chatting about it or just seeing what other people think. Uh, so yeah, awesome. I had a blast tonight, Matt. Do you have any projects, articles, anything like that that you want everyone to go check out? Uh, so yeah, I mean, as a uh, thank you first off for having me on. I appreciate it. It's it's, it's been fun jumping on here and, and talking Debbie with you um, and talking other stuff. I love when when the hosts throw in a couple extra questions that aren't always fantasy football related. I, I, that's a lot of fun for me. Um, you can as as you mentioned, you can follow me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. Uh, follow me. I've I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Obviously on the bowl games, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll have. All kinds of rookie profiles coming out here once uh, once everybody declares, which is January 14th. You'll see Dynasty Nerds will start pumping out multiple profiles a week, so that's a great place that you can go to. We go with full breakdowns uh, of their college seasons. We put gifts in the article as well, showing what we think they do well as, as well. You can uh, follow me at the Debbie Debate and Fantasy Football Roundtable. I do a lot of stuff there, too. We've got a lot of Debbie stuff coming this way as well. And, uh, if you do follow me on Twitter and Dynasty Nerds, uh, and you want to get more into the college football side as well, I'll give your your fans here a little bit of a teaser. We have a massive project coming out for Dynasty Nerds this this coming year, so just be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a huge thing for college football, so be on the lookout for that as well. It'll it maybe give you guys a little bit of enticement to check out Dynasty Nerds. Keep following you as well, and, and jump on and follow me. We, we've got some some cool things in in the works right now coming for for Dynasty and college football. Awesome. Yeah, everybody should definitely be checking out Dynasty Nerds on a relatively regular basis. Articles come out all the time. Uh, I'm a writer there. Matt's a writer there. A lot of good writers over there. And so it's honestly, and, and all the articles are free, like Matt already said. So if you want some stuff like the Dynasty GM or the Film Room, that does cost a little bit extra. It's like maybe 3 or $4 a month, I think. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely somewhere to go. So again, everyone go and follow Matt on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. And if you're a new listener, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Snake of the Draft podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Good luck during week 16. Go win some championships, and uh, let's be snakes this offseason. <laughs>